0: Welcome back to the WorkBold podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions, space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and you're about to learn how BP have transitioned from an office first to a flexible working environment. In this hour long episode, I'm joined by Andrew Karn, BP's Global Workplace Procurement Manager, and Kieran Delaney, CEO of MeetingsBooker.com. The duo share insight into their partnership and how BP has balanced the well-being of their team members while maintaining BP's strategic pillars of safety and sustainability. Now, I'd like to give a special shout out to Skift for publishing an early preview of this episode. See the link in the show notes. Skift is the most influential media brand in the global travel industry, also known as the daily homepage of global travel. And I have to point out that, as of last year, Skift is a fully distributed company with no physical offices and teams across various parts of the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Thank you, Rafat Ali and team. Continuing with this episode's intro, you're about to, and I quote Skift's Matthew Parsons, peek inside the minds of BP's executives and learn how they're thinking about office versus remote work. It sure feels like a new beginning, end quote. Andrew shares how BP is evolving their portfolio strategy for hybrid working to empower their teams and enable success where face-to-face may be less frequent. We hear how they've teamed up with MeetingsBooker.com to enable over 10,000 employees to book space for focused or collaborative work, AKA meetings with colleagues and customers, either near home or anywhere outside the head office via Meeting Booker's digital booking tool. Speaking of the head office, BP did a 250 million pound sale and lease back deal on their London HQ. Then right after, did a deal with the office group for 50,000 square feet of flex space. I ask Andrew what signal we should take from that. Segwaying to the future of commercial real estate, we go on to discuss how the hospitality and commercial real estate industries are beginning to merge with space operators and hotels starting to compete for workspace customers. And we look at the parallels in the business travel industry. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. Now, I realize this one is a bit longer than normal, but there was just too much good content to cut out. So without further ado, let's kick it. Welcome back to the Workbowl Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Parker. Today, we are trying something different. We're recording both audio and video. So if you're listening right now on your podcast app, there's a video version of this in the show notes below. Just check the link. And if you're watching this right now, but don't have time to watch the whole thing, you can always download and listen to the audio version later when it's convenient for you in this episode we're going to hear about enterprise workspace procurement okay that sounds a little bit boring put another way we're going to learn how bp is planning their portfolio strategy and enabling their teams to succeed in a post-covid world where face-to-face might be less frequent but more valuable than ever before i'll be joined by andrew karn global procurement advice advisor for meetings events and collaboration and andrew globally leads the bp meetings and events program as part of VP's reinvention of the workspace. And joining Andrew is Kieran Delaney, founder and CEO of meetingsbooker.com, the global leader in meeting and workspace bookings with over 150,000 spaces globally and a dedicated enterprise solution for global teams to procure space on demand with inbuilt usage expenditure and safety protocols. I've asked both of these gentlemen to join me today to talk about how they partnered up to support BP's plans to lean into the future of work. Welcome to the Workable Podcast, Andrew and Kieran. Thanks, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Great to be here. Great to talk to you. Uh, So good to have you guys here. You know, this last year, we've seen lots of headlines back and forth, people going digital first, working, never going back to the office. We hear other people saying, nobody's gonna work remotely. People are coming back into the office. You sort of see, the headlines, but somewhere in between is the truth. And um, you know there's a hybrid world ahead of us. And I'm just curious to you, Andrew, just to ask you a question. How has this last year of remote working impacted your portfolio strategy?
1: Thanks, Caleb. Thanks for inviting me into this. Um, I think first of all, I'd say, I'm not the uh, single person accountable for our workplace strategy. You know, um, I'm, as you mentioned in the intro, the meeting, the events uh, lead for BP uh, centrally and looking at our supply chain and giving solutions that way. But um, obviously, as we will probably come on to talk about, there's a, there's this sort of convergence across meeting, the events, co-working. So, um, and how, but, you know, to answer your question from my opinion, from what I'm seeing and working with my colleagues, you know, it's... Um, it's significant. I think we're still feeling our way through, you know, um, what what COVID has and how COVID has impacted. Um, we've had a bit of a perfect storm in the fact that we were um, ready to reinvent ourselves as a company, as well as having this external world completely change. So, um, needless to say, all of that allows us to really sort of step back and think what we need to do with our workplace um it, there's going to be considerable change i think that's fair to say and i'd you know most companies and corporates out there i'd say they're going to look at change um but i wouldn't want to deal in in absolutes to say we're all you know it's all going away we're all going to be moving to flex space and home working or we we're going to change all of our um sites to these hubs um we're going to have a dedicated you know four day week or three day week or two day week um BP is is a huge company. It is smaller than than it was, but it is still a large company with diverse teams, regions around the world, different types of job, different types of tasks. So I think we're going to be focused on tasks. I think we're going to be a task oriented company, and therefore we'll need um, the workplace portfolio to suit that. Um, Square footage that may be slightly smaller than it was before, Um, but I think it would be a repurpose of those workplaces, maybe more than. You know, the, the heavy absolute cuts of down to, you know, the, the, the 10, 20 percent or whatever you might hear in the market. So I think it's accelerated some of our thoughts in the last year. Um, but I think we're still uh, making sure we we give a little bit of ourselves the time is probably my overall answer.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And I suppose a, a bit of this is a, sort of a science project to, to sort of test and see what works and what doesn't. Um, I'm curious, how do you see... Um, you know, now that we've learned that people can work remotely in, in silos and be productive and collaborate virtually, um, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, people were coming together face to face less, but the value of coming together face to face is 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 even more important. Um, do you see that sort of as a a breakdown between focused work, virtually working from anywhere versus coming together? Is there a percentage or a ratio between the two?
1: It's a really good question. I think um, just most recently we've been shared that, you know, from our executive leadership and otherwise, there's a, a kind of a rule of thumb of like three and two works, 60 40. Um, but again, that's, that's going to be not suitable for everybody. I think we can all agree almost that five and zero or zero and five in terms of five working in the office, zero at home, or work from anywhere, and the other way around probably doesn't suit anybody these days. But then again, it may suit some people who may not have. The, um, a, a, a suitable working environment at, at home, for example. People may flat share and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, as we focus on the things that really drive value from being live and face-to-face, uh, and there's things like, you know, employee onboarding, there's negotiation, there's critical business decisions and brainstorming. that they, they traditionally see a stronger place to come together and meet. So I, I think there's going to be... Um, you know, we're going to feel our way through. I think there's going to be a spike after, hopes to say, after COVID. Um, I think there's going to be a spike of wanting to be back with each other. And then it will settle down back after that to say, hey, right, I can fit into a pattern that would work well for me as well, working for teams and the other folks that I want to go and meet, uh, either at an office or a workspace.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I'm just I'm just curious to see how this plays out. And I suppose you're you're right in the saying that it's um, it's certainly on a case by case basis. Everybody's different. The yeah. key, in in my opinion, the key um, word is choice and giving people a choice of what works best for them. Um, so it's great to hear that you guys are, are leaning into that. I do have a question though. Um, you know, last year, um, there was and I appreciate you're not. Uh, <laughs> focused on the portfolio per se, um, but last year there was a uh, deal that BP did, and I'm, pre- I'm sure a lot of my commercial real estate folks want to hear about this. Um, they, you guys did a deal for your headquarters at St. James Square uh, in London where it was a sale and lease back. It's a 250, mil- uh, 250 million pound deal, um, but then shortly after that, you guys signed a, um, a deal with the office group, um for 50,000 square feet and I, and i believe it was like 700 desks for 1000 people to share or something like that um and um i'm just curious does that represent a move into into flex for bp or is does that signal anything
1: um I wouldn't look at too much into it as, as um, you know, two things at once. I, I think that you should look at the two elements separately. We've been, um, it, we've made no, um, you know, we haven't hidden the fact that we've been selling many of our um, large office hubs around the world uh, and then releasing them back. Uh, we did that in Houston. We did that in, uh, in, us, in our West London office. So this was part of that journey for, for St. James's Square, our headquarters um obviously um leasing back for only two years is um probably something that allows us to stay short term well probably short term you know keep our options open understand where we want to go from there but i believe st james has served us as fantastically well in a great location so i'm sure um you know decisions will be made and they, they won't be made lightly um and then with the office group um that piece really was um, looked at for, again, quite a long time prior to COVID and, and separately somewhat to the St. James's Square sale around um, our sort of innovation hub, um, looking at sort of digital teams coming together and really looking at where innovation could be brought together in a collaborative way with teams focusing purely on that. So something that's um, really suited towards them, probably a bit more dedicated towards them initially, is something that was 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 you know put through as a deal and focused on so um yeah i I think i wouldn't look too much into those but will we learn a lot from that uh that's the secondary um deal that we made we probably will do because it's you know a great location and great um workplace to be agile in and to have teams working in in the modern way especially post-covid so it's going to be really interesting a bit of a a telling tale of maybe where we want to uh, manipulate and work with what workspaces in the future
0: this is very interesting, and we, we're certainly we, we saw that last year and was was tuning into that. So uh, we're very curious to, to to hear. So thank you for sharing. But um, well, speaking of leaning into the future and, and the way you would, would deal with workspaces, you recently partnered up with MeetingsBooker.com, And maybe it's a good time to bring Kieran into the conversation would would like to sort of hear what this partnership looks like and, and how this helps you sort of manage things going forward.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it feels it, it feels recent, but it also feels for quite a while now. This uh, journey with with Meetings Book, which is fantastic, and um, we're about to expand our tool a little bit more, and then we look, we've got a bit of a pipeline to expand it even further in terms of how we want to use it and have and live within our what we call it sort of an ecosystem of uh, of meetings, events, and travel for BP. So um, we started off looking at small meetings and looking for those. Uh, those opportunities where we need a, a small meeting space, maybe for half a day, a full day, um, quite direct, quite quick book um, with a card and, and simple to do, um, gone down really, really well. Obviously, it was the timing was great at the time, but then it <laughs> slowed down remarkably due to COVID. But then, as we move forward, we're opening that tool to look at what other sort of wider venue sourcing that we can do through the tool, which is going to be great. And actually, not just doing that, but expanding and linking in lots of our uh, integrated uh, safety elements and, and much more to it in our contractual base um, for these wider events that probably need that extra little bit more governance. So um, really, really happy to be working with a market leader and working with a partner who, who gets what we're trying to do. And actually for us, you know, selfishly leverage lots of the things that Kieran and team have been doing with other corporates and large-scale organizations for Footprint, for knowledge for um user experience and so forth so uh yeah we're about to sort of embark on our second part of our journey but all good so far
0: kieran i want to i want to uh get you to chime in here because uh um, yeah. as andrew said you guys started off as a as a solution for um meeting rooms uh and booking meeting rooms but now you're moving into even workspace so can you elaborate on that
2: yeah i think that's um yeah caleb great to join you uh, on the podcast so i think with with BP, I think it was two years ago, just over two years ago, we started our kind of um, relationship with with uh, with Andrew and Richard and the team. And really, at the start, it was it was that use case of small meetings, right? And it was it was the case of having a solution that would allow their employees to search, and book a smaller meeting space on demand, and in a self served capacity. So. know that was very that kind of worked very well and i think i think bp have been real innovators in this space because you know transacting and booking meeting space online is very new um and they were one of the first you know global companies to see the advantages for their employees that it was it's a faster easier way for their employees to to you know get what they need and in this case it's uh, it's a meeting room. So within that, you know, the solution I suppose has, has evolved a lot. I think they're a very innovative team. You know, there's a lot of pillars of, of kind of within their strategy that they, they want to bring into the platform. And uh, duty of care is a big factor. So, for example, BP have their own kind of HSSC guidelines, health and safety standards that they like venues to comply with. And within our platform, I think there's over six thousand hotels and. Co-working venues have, have already inputted that they comply with those HSSE standards, but yeah, and it's it's evolved now to the point where where you know their employees will will also be able to book group accommodation via the platform and and slightly bigger meetings, and also on the horizon is the option to to book uh, workspaces as well, um, and I think that's the I think the overriding strategy is is one of you know can we find a solution that gives us the ability to build build in our overall strategy as an organization you know and a certain amount of um you know ability to have controls and and you know usage elements around it as well right because i think that's a key factor if you're launching a platform with thousands of employees using it you want to be able to forecast and manage the the usage and and you know within that system and that's something we've built into our platform and then it's then it's really about you know being trusting and self you know giving your employees a faster easier way to get you know get on with their daily work right whether that's you know having a meeting for for 10 people or whether it's you know booking a workspace or even off sites right i think um you know where a team are meeting up for two days uh, overnighting you know to have a kind of a brainstorming session, et cetera. So I think the use cases have have evolved with BP. And I think with COVID as well, we're seeing as in the general market that actually it's all about just how do we help people find a place to work, right? And that can be in a multiple, that can be in a lot of different locations. It can be at home, the office, and then external spaces.
0: Well, that that's the part that's really interesting to me because you know I remember several several years ago when uh, when you and I here on were on the yeah. HBAA's um, um, technology and innovation committee, we were talking about um, giving people the ability to book small meetings online in real time, like you book a hotel room, and and business travel has been managed that way for years, but it was like a foreign concept to talk about booking meeting rooms. Um, you know, like like you book a hotel room online, and so you guys have been doing that for a couple of years now with BP. But you're rolling out this new workspace product, and that's the part that I sort of didn't get excited about because I think about all the people that are working from home that don't have great workspace, um, you know, environments. That, that they don't. It's it, maybe they have children at home or or whatever the reason. They're, yeah. uh, they they can't work productively at home, and the fact that you're Giving them the ability to then, at a at a at a at a company-wise enterprise level, um, that falls under BP's maybe rules is the wrong word to use, but policies. Poli- policy, yeah. Policies, yeah. yeah. You're giving them the ability to to access the space um, to yeah. to work, and is that is that in hotels or is that co-working space? Because you you mentioned both. Yeah, so it,
2: it's it's both. So I think within our platform. We have one hundred and fifty thousand spaces around the world, and we fifty percent of our meeting reservations actually go to hotels, and fifty percent go to newer co-working style uh, providers. So already, we we have great relationships with Convene and, and in the US Serendipity Labs. You know a lot of the newer providers, Breather of of, of workspaces, and they they're on our platform already um promoting and selling their meeting rooms so it's an interesting kind of uh you know scenario that we've we've both we've you know the full spectrum of suppliers and traditionally caleb it was we saw that a lot of the newer co-working providers were joining our platform because they felt you know they could really compete with hotels for for meetings uh, both from a product and you know their price point as well but now we're seeing the reverse. We're seeing that hotels are also adding their workspaces to meetings booker in order to, you know, compete as a workspace uh, uh, venue, and they're they're starting to compete with the with the co-working space providers. So there's really been an interesting blend now between supply of, of venues that you know we're seeing we're seeing that it, you know, hotels are offering workspace solutions. It, some of them are doing it at a very advanced Level, where they're they're you know building workspace solutions into into different floors in the hotel. Um, we've seen Hoxton introduce Working From, which is a very good product, and others are then partnering with a, a workspace uh, p- provider to actually bring that workspace uh, solution into the property. And then a lot of other hotels are obviously using their sleeping rooms and, and converting them into kind of a day pass product. Um, Radisson is a good example of that, who are now adding their their workspace product to Meetings Booker. So yeah, it's it's interesting how it's kind of, you know, the shoes on under foot now, right? That the hotels yeah. are starting to move into that space, competing with the co-working providers.
0: And I, I want to come back to that topic there, because I think it's an important thing to talk about. But before we do, you know, we talk about meetings and the difference of working from home, doing focused work, and then coming into the office and meeting. Yeah. Um, or or people coming in because they can't work from home and in in booking a space nearby that's, that this fits the yeah. policy but uh, I want to turn to Andrew uh, when when you're looking at using a solution like meetingsbooker.com do do you sort of see this as an extension of your portfolio um, now now you're because you're able to curate the, the the right spaces for your for your employees you now have the world is your oyster, almost, and and it's more cost effective than taking out long leases. Is that kind of how you you guys are seeing it?
1: Um, I, I think you know we we want we kind of want all the options. You know we want our sort of cake and eat it, and I think we we want to have all options. And then if we can create, again, sort of going back to this like ecosystem thought process where we can have kind of as much open content as we can. But also, with the governance behind it to apply to anything that may be applicable or, or, or appropriate, whether that's a complete unique type of venue or workspace, or it's one of our partner brands we've been working with for years and years, it's um, uh, but may not be kind of the preferred venue that we've traditionally worked with because it's in a location we rarely go to, for example. now we want we want to have that open that open way to be able to go to places and and, and learn from it and and be able to book it. Um, Albeit that we feel that we've had our, you know, we're in the best place contractually. Um, It's going through one particular system because we love having uh, an ecosystem purely because all of that data can transfer to our crisis centre. You know, if there's a a crisis in that particular location, whether it be something localised to the venue, like a fire or something, or it's something city-wide or regional-wide, we know exactly how many events... Yeah, who's where exactly? So uh, accounting for people. So really, really important st- steps like that. But um, I think overall, we also then get, um, you know, rather than having people do direct book everywhere, we have um, some leverage of that analytics to understand how how can we deepen a partnership potentially with a type of brand to some of those that Kieran's mentioned. But again, some of the sort of more uh, traditional hotel brands, for example, as well. So um, can, you, we,
0: can you can you dive yeah. a little bit deeper into that? Because one of my questions is when mm-hmm. you have um, all the options um, available to you. Yeah. Um, it, it does does brand make a difference? Or is the decision always about the right location and the right price? So how, how does that thinking uh, work? It's,
1: it's a really good question. I think um, you know, I, and we have uh, many um, brand partners who you know are maybe listening today, and I'd say absolutely, the brand is has got a place. Um, there's a consistency. There's a feel. There's um, there. They're often in the right places. they you know they they have that historic um, play. Uh, location and it's going to be in the places we probably want to do business as well or, or our meeting and collaborating so that just falls squarely in there and again that consistency that level of service big branded hotels for example have been running hospitality for hundreds of years right so that's something that we know we get we're going to get a particular service and we're going to be catered for and looked after which is important um but then on the flip side and again i don't want to sort of deal too much in absolutes because you know, uniqueness brings something different. We have um, many people creating many new things, and we we you know, after our long history as a company, you know, this is probably the most sizable change you could wish for in terms of rewiring and restructuring our company at the moment. So we have a lot of minds coming together who want to work in space that is um, is different, and that goes to our hub and our and our own office spaces and workspaces. But then, uh, if we if we when when and if we need to go to an external space for any reason. We want that to be inspiring and to to, to drive people's minds in the right way. So, you know, it's, um, if it's in the right place, it's got the right type of feel. It can cater for people with amenities now that are really rich and go well beyond what they've used to be, uh, sort of maybe square meals and teas and coffees. Um, we, you know, it, it's gonna be, uh, again, we want our options open to us. So there's gonna be some some places around some of our maybe hub locations that we need to pop out to and get away from our hub space for a reason but um otherwise i feel like we've got sort of the world is our oyster which is very very exciting
0: it is exciting Um, and it does make it does make me feel like uh going back to what kieran was saying about the um almost a competitive position between hospitality and the hotel industry that, that provides service for hundreds of years to commercial real estate, which, you know, usually it's, respons- it's the responsibility of the occupier, the tenant, the customer in commercial real estate to create its own experience for their employees. Whereas we've seen these coworking companies coming in and, and providing an an experience now, whether that be branded or not. So Kieran Kieran, just curious, like, do you see a massive difference or a lot of overlap? or how do you see this competition forming between the hospitality industry and commercial real estate? or are they just merging now? What do you think?
2: yeah, i think I think they're merging in a lot of ways. I think you know, on the supply side, you know I think they've for, for meetings, they've all they've all competed with each other for for a long time. i think for for workspaces obviously co-working, uh, providers are are specialists at that right and they've the that's their DNA so I think they've they've an advantage and you know I think hotels some hotels are entering that space you know but I think that's healthy um, and I think we're going to see that evolve we're going to see a lot of you know newer style properties like we have a new uh, venue provider that has joined meetings Booker called uh, Zoku and they're in three cities now in Europe and it's a subscription model where you can stay and work in the hotel for a month. And it's like, I think it's two and a half thousand, you know, Euro. So there's all these new style providers emerging. And I think over the next number of years, we're going to see that continue. Um, But I think it's, it's, it's also an interesting area because like, I think we're, we're seeing more and more new corporate clients that are actually, it's the real estate director in the organization that is is signing up to use our platform. Right. So we're now seeing that we have we have business travel uh, procurement directors who are you know using Meetings Booker to roll roll out our platform across the organization, but also real estate have come have come now to also use the platform. And that's that's very interesting. You know and so I think on the on the enterprise side for the organizations themselves, I think that in many cases you know the teams are actually talking to each other, right? the the real estate team and the the business travel team are are on a call with us talking about how to use the platform. So I think I think the the use, I think what's happened now is obviously people you know been a big shift in the market and, and people are working from home. and I think there's a lot of different kind of drivers. You know some organizations, Caleb, are coming to us saying that you know we're closing offices. You know we've one new client that used to have seventy three offices and they're reducing that to 18.
0: Mm,
2: so they wow. they want to have a way, yeah, they want to have a way to just have regular team meetings using using Meetings
0: Booker. We so have another, can I, can I yeah? interrupt you on that An example? So in that in that example, uh, historically, uh, people are using Meetings Booker to book meetings and events. So if this company is getting rid of offices and they're just going to come together for meetings and events, presumably they would just continue booking hotels like they have in the past. But are you um, seeing now that they're actually, no, they're going to, more office co-working solutions?
2: Yeah, I think so there's different use cases, right? So w- with this particular company, it's, it's they want to have weekly meetings for like a, a large number of employees in different locations, right? So they're thinking, you know, we used to have an office where we had like, you know, 57 people, no one's using it. We're going to shut it down and we're going to just have weekly meetings, right? So there'll be two weekly team meetings and people work from home. Right. So in, in, where they meet, like we're quite like we've always had choice on the platform. It could be in a hotel, a stadium, a co-working space. Right. So the choice part has always been on our in our DNA as well. And um, ultimately, what you want is that they need a meeting for X number of people and they'll have that choice on the platform to search and pick, select what venues suit their needs. Uh, within the platform i think one of the things we're seeing caleb is we have a channel manager solution so actually venues can give pricing to specific clients and that's something that's growing now as as we're seeing increased demand for for meetings and a lot of the you know real estate directors are are looking at that as an opportunity to say right well let's use the channel manager system and we know we're going to have weekly meetings in a particular city so Let's just go out to that city and get better rates from from the suppliers. Um, but then you also have a situation, Caleb, with another client of ours, again as a new client, who is actually hiring a large volume of remote employees, right? And with them, it's about hiring, being able to hire and retain talent that work remotely. Mm-hmm. So they're, and for them, they want to give as part of the contract. That each employee would have two days a week in a local workspace, right? Which is so that's a completely different kind of uh, need yeah. And and that's purely co-working. And then we have another we have another client that for them it's more about meeting in in teams every quarter. So they've got like ten thousand employees that are all distributed working in different locations, and they want to have a quarterly offsite with different groups. Of those employees so i think i think with bp it's interesting because they're kind of they're using our platform in in a lot of different ways but actually some companies are starting with with a need of a more immediate need of we've reduced offices you know we want to get kind of flexible meeting spaces others are thinking more about workspaces Um, and i think the one that's probably beginning to happen now is just about travel and and how that's changing as well. And, and the idea of offsites, sites and or, yeah. or also, you know, that's a new area. I think once, once we start to come out of COVID, I think we'll start seeing that advance a lot as well because travel is changing. Business travel has obviously changed because of COVID, but people are leaving cities now. And, you know, a lot of American clients that we have are letting employees leave San Francisco, right? And that's or a anywhere. whole new dynamic, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, uh, uh, there was a, a stat recently about Nigeria, um, in web web programmers and engineers. The average income, uh, the average in salary income, has gone up there because uh, the work from anywhere movement last year, people were hiring these these talented engineers from Nigeria. So right. the supply and demand um, <laughs> uh, economics are happening there. But um, you know what? What I think is profound here is that. Um, Historically, if you needed to book a meeting, typically you'd go to a hotel um, and in most co-working spaces when it comes to enterprise, it was about taking a floor or two on flexible terms. But now we're Mm. talking about booking meeting rooms in co-working spaces and booking co-working in hotels and, um, and, 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 and co-working spaces, but also not just whole floors, but on an individual use case basis. And so, to me, that's that's profound. And I wonder, and I'll I'll ask you, Andrew. Do you think that, because you've been dealing with uh, meetings and events for so long, do you think that the co-working or commercial real estate world can compete with hotels when it comes to the events, and then vice versa? Can hotels compete by providing workspace?
1: It's uh, a good question. I think I think yes, and it's going to be a really healthy competition. To Kieran's point earlier, there, there's this convergence, but um, you know, you'd want each of them to also not forget their. Their original USP, you know, the unique uniqueness about it all. Uh, let's not forget that hotels have bedrooms, um, you know, and and they're very very useful for folks who are maybe work, you know, living slightly more remote than they did before. I've had lots of colleagues and and friends who have moved to more out in the sticks rather than being near cities. And when they're coming, they they don't need just to meet. They need to, and they're not going to maybe drive home that night. They they more more likely going to need a bedroom as well. So. There's that competition but that's very obvious i think past that i think um hotels have been changing their lobby areas for a long long time now um with some real great leaders in that space there are still a need for the square boxes and the u-shaped meeting room styles and things like that um but it's really great to see this sort of diversity going across there and then using their spaces in a real agile way for the different types of meeting events you know bp could put five different events in. One hotel in, on the five different days, and they could be completely different. They could be from different entities within BP, but they could be completely different needs and requirements. And you know that we, we're seeing some, well, we're seeing quite a lot of hotels that are doing some really great jobs on that diversity. And then if you look at co-working spaces, they're looking at really sort of mixing things up. Whether you've got individual requirement, whether it's a meeting room, whether it's half of the the space, and yet, or maybe the whole space, and you're booking it out for kind of um, almost like a drinks evening, um, with uh, you know, a, a mini stage at the front just to bring people together and it's more so client uh based event. So um the agility we're seeing across all of it is great and and why wouldn't we want the option and the availability to look and the access to look at all of those and that's where Kieran and team are, are doing a great job to bring that together. And um again, very, very excited to see where that goes forth. And um, you know, it's gotta be through appropriate needs. Um in procurement, we have a, an interesting challenge that, you know, we want to, for lack of a better word, we want to advertise our preferred solutions and tools within our company. But we also don't want to be seen as pushing it out and saying, this is a, uh, you know, you must go and use this. You must go and you know, here's these great discounts we've just negotiated on this airfare, for example, this airline. Why don't you go and use them? You know, that's not the right message. You know, we want to be um, spending our dollars and pounds and euros wisely. So but if there is a requirement and if you need to do this and it really does fall into the to the area of needing co-working space or or meeting space or or again, business travel wise, here's all our preferred suppliers with all the governance. And actually, it should now feel like a um, if you were booking something yourself online at home for, you know, those those great user faces that we see for for holidays or whatever else it might be. So uh, I think that's where meetings booker are ticking off quite a lot of those things and and continue to do so
2: Caleb when I so I sorry, Caleb I think your point about the the kind of ad hoc right where it's like you know people just using a co-working space and and not necessarily you know having a traditional kind of a um, large agreement with that co-working space I think what's happened now is just there's a new scale Caleb there's a new scale where you know companies have like Thousands of employees that they want to provide them with a co-working um, solution one day a week or two days a week, right? In, in fifteen different cities around yep. the world. Yep. So, like you know, that's just not going to happen. Like the procurement team are going to have to try and you know contract with loads of different individual co-working spaces and manage different pay- you know payments and so it, it's a, it's just the scale. I think now has has with COVID, there's a new scale and when we talk to clients, it's normally what we do is we kind of try and drill down into the locations and the number of, you know, they share with us the number of employees in different cities, you know, and it, it can be thousand employees in, in large number of cities in, in different countries. So that organization is saying, well, listen, we've got like 2000 employees or more, and they're in like 27 different cities. We want to give them each, we want to give them the option to book two day passes a month or one a week or whatever mm, it is. Yeah. They can't just, you know, they need one tool to to manage the the control element and the frequency of bookings. They need to also be able to go to spaces in those cities to get preferred, you know, day pass rates and then have a self-serve tool that employees can just grab their phone and book a space next week. So it, it it's that kind of, I think when you get to that scale, it changes the dial in relation to, you know, probably what was ha- happening pre-COVID, where it was a bit more local in the city, you know, where you kind of go to your local uh, co-working space and and did a deal yep. with them. Um,
0: well, back in back in my Regis days, uh, many moons ago, um, we had a corporate accounts team in Dallas and, and I was in Washington, D.C. Anytime an enterprise customer uh, came in to talk, in, in, anyone from an enterprise customer coming to talk to us locally we had to refer them to dallas to the corporate office to to, to do a, a nationwide or a global deal yeah and and i think in our in, in our part of the real estate world in flex space as a service we think about regis and the WeWorks as being the 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 ones at scale there's a there's other big ones but those are the big yeah. ones, big two but what you're doing here is effectively um creating a, a bigger corporate accounts team Uh, than than any one brand could ever accommodate uh, Mm. in in terms of scale. So you're able to to provide that to uh, BP and and enterprise customers like that.
2: Yeah, and and I think you're right. There's like we have an API integration with Regis. So we have all their spaces globally. And I think there's also so many newer providers that are are market-centric, you know, like there's Deskio in Paris who are really strong and with, you know, one of the biggest providers in Paris. You know, iconic offices in Dublin. In the in the UK, there is like Ariga, Argyle mm-hmm. Club. There is a lot of, and you know, and then you've got Serendipity and Convene. So there is a huge part of the market as well. Is kind of very strong co-working providers in different jurisdictions that have you know 40, 50, 60 uh, locations. Um, and I think the, the overriding, I think what the parallel with business travel and with real estate that we see is. The overriding principles are the same. Like it's about finding a tool that gives you flexibility, right? That you can, you have flexibility, but also you can build in your strategy and whatever that strategy is, that strategy might be that, you know, you want to just have day passes. It might be that you want to have meetings, a day pass. So whatever your need is, you you, you say, right, that's what we want. And you build in your, your kind of your policies within the solution. Um. So you've a level of control. When I say control, it's not that. It's just about usage, right? You, mm. you can't just open up a new solution to thousands of employees without having some sort of element of right. How will people use it? Um. Yeah. And, and then it's about the self serve part. That's the. That's where the employees. That's what employees want. You know, like we see that fifty percent of our on demand bookings for meetings, the meeting is taking place within a week. Yeah, wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. So so it's like that's what, you know, we just it's it's about providing something that doesn't slow down your organization, right? You need yeah. your organization moving fast. You need people to find a place to work and do what they need to do without taking them too, you know, a long time to do it. I think BP were one of the first to kind of see that benefit and think of the employee and say, right, the employee here, you know, we just need to we need to help them as well. And, and that's the part that I think is the final element, right? So it's, it's flexibility. It's, it's the central organization has some level of management of the solution. And then once that's built in the self-serve element of, of using it, um, works perfectly. Right. And then all the data goes back. And then it's, it's about learning about that data and, and expanding it as time goes on and, and uh, building those learnings into the, into the solution over time.
1: I was just going to add that I think that you know what you mentioned about scale as well. There, you know that as as companies, you know, and as hopefully we all agree, we're coming out of COVID in, in some respect. You know, the puzzle piece there is, and the, and the change of our footprint and our you know square footage around the world in our office space. There's a transition period, and 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 through a transition, you often need tools and solutions that are going to help through that you know as we work out how we land on our working patterns and our workspaces ourselves so a puzzle piece of a company like meetings booker to fill in that gap and, and you know and just to allow us people and then to be part of the future is is massive so we're we're really really excited to see how meetings Booker are going to support that transition through how we do change our workspace going forward and whereby you know we might have to do some We might keep even one major office or hub in one particular location, but do we need to possibly do quite a lot of work to go and do a lot of work in their construction work to change it around properly? Therefore, that equals potentially people not just being forced to work in their bedrooms again, but maybe to have a a, a co-working space or or a meeting every other week or whatever it might be, that flexibility. So tools in that way gives that agility as we come and away from COVID, hopefully.
0: No, it's a very good point, and I think you know what 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 I what I take away. One of my favorite things to to talk about on 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 my LinkedIn post with with Dave Kearns up in Canada is about putting people uh, in control, sure. and putting them at the center of the universe, and empowering them. And I think what you're what we've talked about today is taking the procurement process of meetings and workspace from a B to B sort of model to a B to C model, and that B to C model um, is 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 new to commercial real estate. And I think a lot of the, the folks in commercial real estate, uh, notwithstanding the, um you know, the the spaces of service operators um, are, are struggling to get their head around that, but it's coming. So I, I think the other thing in commercial real estate that, um, that everybody's thinking about is, well, gosh, normally we're signing up people to use space uh, on a, on a 10 year term um And um, and and earning big fees from that, but now we're shifting to people booking by the day. So what does that mean in terms in terms of you know how they make money, how they facilitate that? So I guess this this is might be a cheeky question. I'm not sure, but Andrew or or both of you, do you think that you know obviously hotels are a given, and we see hotels doing partnerships to to bring in co working, to bring in workspace, and some are doing it themselves. But do you think every Office building should have some flexible component for people to tap in by the daylight, or or have events at meetings and events.
1: I mean, I yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you want you want your workspace to be agile to do that. You know, I've uh, worked luckily in our West London base for for many many years, and had the you know the the pleasure of visiting many of our BP offices around the world, and uh, I can't think of many that don't have a some sort of flexible space already where we can hold some sort of internal um, as we call them town halls or or, uh, an event in some ways whether that's used maybe in the evening Um, and we actually have some dedicated buildings that are just there for that Um, and it's uh, it's almost like a, a mix between learning and development type center but also can do all these great things Plus, with all the benefits of all of our digital tools that uh, obviously ever change, but, but, you know, that we can plug and play straight away. So, um, absolutely, I'm saying that's, that's, that's yeah. the thing that seems to, to me uh, post-COVID will really rocket onwards because most people will come to, I'd say, you know, most people, not all again, but a lot of people want to come to work to collaborate and to host meetings and events and be there. And, you know, not just use a whiteboard, but maybe a digital whiteboard with other folks who are remote um and i think that hybrid element is really really exciting if hybrid's done properly and uh you know the two separate audiences the remote and the live have equal opportunity to um, engage with the content and possibly engage with each other we've got really really exciting potential there because even though we might have a team of 20 you might have five you just can't get there that day but how are you going to bring those? how are you going to bring those guys in so um I think absolutely that's, for me, uh, you know, it's it's almost going to be a must-have that we have. I think we still need individual desks, offices. That's not going to go away. And there's going to be lots of reasons why that is. And obviously, we're not always going go to work, go to work for a meeting that's going to last all day and then we pack up our bag and we go. It might be for a half a day. And therefore, I need to just, I, I'm not going to be able to drive home in time to get to my next call. Therefore, I do need an individual workstation afterwards. So it's a balance. It's a mix. Um, but that demand management, element to more is, is a really interesting thing and i think that's the thing that actually you know looking at uh, workspace procurement and co-working and and looking at meeting the events we, we share the same woes and the issues about demand management and how we're going to do that and i and i know i think was it chris from Telefonica, on one of your previous podcasts yeah. was talking oh, about yeah. the uh the midweek mountain and oh I yeah and really like, yeah. i really like that and i think that's a common fear that may happen so how do we plan for that how do we work that out and really um make sure that um you know, even things that, you know, I see the future of, of bookings is going into a, a workspace and saying, I could almost book on a phone or a system, um, my parking space, maybe a workstation, of course, the meeting and event area that I want, but also maybe my gym pass for the day, uh, you know, and things like that um, going forward. And that's that's really, really exciting. But, and that would hopefully lead towards better demand management, albeit that probably some people still want it the day before, you know, 24 hours. So, sure. Um, yeah so to answer your question i think agile workspace is is, is a must-have yeah yeah okay I
0: i'm wonder, sorry I'm, yeah I was, i'm going to pose the same question you care on and and I'm presumably the answer is yes but please elaborate but then i assume that you would in doing so you're going to hope that um all of these spaces are bookable through your platform
2: so yeah i think listen it, it's it's changing in front of our eyes right i think you know a lot of organizations are now changing their offices as well to, to be more like a, a drop-in collaborative space. Um, I saw Revolut, for example, they've launched kind of Rev uh, Labs, which is a exciting kind of strategy whereby they're changing our offices into more collaborative kind of spaces. Uh, there won't be the same kind of desk idea. It's more about let's come here to collaborate and meet the team and um, and i think that's that's going to increase i think a lot more organizations are going to follow that kind of strategy and have kind of work from home as place where you 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 know you work and, and get your work done but you go to the office and other spaces to collaborate um I think you're right i think that there's also going to be a shift in the sense that you know i think newer newer providers are emerging uh, who are going to be offering you know co-working solutions in in previously, you know, retail locations that have closed down, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of big co-working providers in big cities, Mm. but there's also a lot of people leaving big cities and going, you know, going to smaller locations. And I think a lot of people in the, in, are talking about that gap, right? That in smaller locations, we start to see a, a kind of new breed of smaller co-working space providers emerge. Um, and the other area, Caleb, as well is, No, a lot of our newer clients are kind of saying to us you know we 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 have leases and we have you know we 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 need your tool for remote employees but we actually have leases in some buildings that we could actually put on your platform right so
0: so is that is that for them to make available to anyone or for their own employees
2: to make available for anyone For their own employees yeah so what you're kind of saying that idea that they're looking at their space differently now thinking you know what do we need? We don't need three floors anymore. What do we do with the top floor? Or you know, do we change it into a co-working space product, yep. and people can use it? Um, so yeah, so it is. It, it's it's changing, and people are trying to figure out the the what to do and how to adapt. And there's a lot of new startups joining this, the market, and we see a lot of them in the US that are looking at this opportunity for you know using the the retail spaces that are, are going to close right and there's going to be spaces available and how to cater for the growing need for for remote employees and naturally i think they'll they'll come on to meetings Booker Kid. i think they'll, they'll be, well, the
0: ones, we'll be the first ones
2: we be the first ones they call <laughs>
0: well you know on, on your point about the um the smaller markets the smaller cities and yeah. in, in in villages and so forth across the uk for instance or uh anywhere really um the big cities have all the co-working spaces and all the brands and all the hotels, but the smaller markets they might not have uh, readily available co-working spaces just yet. But their yeah. hotels are there, and so I I think, and I, I, we've had conversations about this, but I think the opportunity there is for the hotel to um, bring in some sort of workspace product. Um, either on their own or, or if, if they wanted, you know, to partner with some of the experts in, in the co-working world to bring that in together. It just happened in Amsterdam, uh, I think, is it Leonardo Hotels just um, or yeah. Apollo Hotels, I forget which one, just partnered with I, IWG. Yeah. Um, do you expect to see more of those types of partnerships, Kieran?
2: I do, yeah. I think it's um, it's Apollo, but they're part of Leonardo Hotels. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's, you know, that's... That's what I would do. I think if I had a hotel, you know, I, I'd be looking closely at that. It, it, I think hotels should look at it as, as like, how do we utilize space? Right. And, you know, hotels have, many of them have gyms. Many of them have, you know, uh, bigger ballrooms, you know, uh, different spaces, restaurants, bars,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, they need to look at them and go, right. What's the return here for do we need as big a bar? Do we need as big? Do we need that second restaurant really? It's only open yeah. on the weekends, yeah. right? So let's let the second restaurant open on the weekends. The revenue is X. If we turn that into a co-working product, right, then people are going to be coming to our hotel every day, yeah, to, yeah. to work. Where you know, so that that's a, they you know. So I think that destination opportunity is is a real is a real opportunity for hotels. And I think we mentioned it earlier on, Hoxton. You know, have really done a great job at that. Like in in their in their co working location, you can just you can order food from the restaurant, brought up to your desk.
0: Well, it's that's, it's that's cross selling. Yeah, it's it's cross selling, tapping into the hospitality uh, yeah. aspect. But I think also hotels are used to transient business. In uh, tapping in into travelers, whereas if they bring in a workspace product like you're like we're talking about, yeah, and they can actually tap into the local market—people that are there yeah. all the time who don't want to commute into a head office but have a place to work close to home a few days yeah. a week—and that becomes recurring revenue.
2: Yeah, and it's like a gym, like the same. Yeah, gym is a similar idea, local yeah. market, and there's a lot of cross-selling opportunity there. That 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 for me is the, you know, is the big. If I was a co-working space group. I would look I at that and I, I would look at that and go, you know what, that, that's a scary concept, right? Because that really then becomes a kind of a destination. You can stay over if you need to, you can pop down to yeah. the gym. You can so yeah, whereas I think the bedroom hotels kind of positioning the bedrooms as as workspaces, I think the longevity of that, as the market returns, will they continue that, right? They yeah. they may. They might kind of say, Well, actually, let's change these five bedrooms into but I think, you know, once the market returns, will they keep that, or will they just go back to selling the bedroom as they normally yeah. do, right? And um, whereas I think the ones who are building in that co-working product within their 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 overall uh, offering could really have a great opportunity to the benefit of cross-selling and the benefit of accessing a new customer base is is very strong. And I think the, the regional one, Caleb, as well. It's not just hotels. You know, there's there's golf clubs. Sure. Um right you know we 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 had a rolled out a meetings booker with a new client and we could actually pull some data and we saw that you know they were they got a lot of their staff were already using meetings booker and they were booking you know museum venues you know uh, there's some venues in our platform that are actually like restaurants and the second floor of the restaurant is is, is are have meeting yep. spaces so you know stadiums right there's like stadiums yep. where you can go yeah, so there's a whole range of providers that I think could start looking at this space and um, yeah, maybe having a, a, game, a game of golf and working for half a day sounds pretty really good <laughs> to me. <laughs>
0: well, I'm sure that's been done before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're right. And that that multi-asset class, so to speak, if I use commercial real estate terms and bringing workspace to, um, to to these different assets, is it, those are conversations that are happening today. I mean, I'm in conversations with some of the stadiums and hotels right now yes. for, for our company, and um, that is that is part of the future. is is part of the makeup. But uh, look, um, we could go on and probably have another whole podcast on on that topic. I think this has been super insightful for everyone. Um, if, if you know you're listening today and this has driven some questions, um, send them over. Hit us up on um, on social media, and then uh, we we've been talking about maybe maybe hosting a a clubhouse session or two later on where, where we can do some live q a um post podcast so if you've heard something in here that you want to talk more about let us know um i have three last questions these are these are the quick fire questions y- you're limited to like 10 seconds on your answer but uh, they' they're really easy two are work related one is not uh, and the first one is and i'll ask both of you um who's who inspires you uh in 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 your industry like who inspires you who's doing all the cool stuff right now It's changing innovating
1: do you want to go first, Sander? <laughs> you go. You go.
2: For me, uh, Airbnb. Airbnb, have just over the last number of years, done an amazing uh, job in kind of bringing a whole new market to life. Um, I think closer to home, I think the Convene in the US, I think they've yeah. really adapted, like Ryan and his team have really adapted to bring in kind of hybrid Meeting, meeting elements Absolutely. into into their product, and also I think you know we've we've just closed the partnership with American Express uh, GBT to power a new workspace and meetings reservation solution for them. Like they're showing a lot of innovation and looking at adapting quickly to what's happening in the market. And I think people like that we we always like right anyone who's kind of sees sees change coming and wants to adapt quickly to it. So yeah, those three would probably jump out.
0: Thank you. How about you, Andrew?
1: i been thinking long and hard about this one. And uh, obviously, present company uh, <laughs> excluded. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I must admit, you know, we, we have a partnership with Steven. And Steven and are doing some really interesting And they've really focused on the long game of hybrid, I think. And, and there's some really nice things that they've mentioned around hybrid and things that we're really interested in. It's close to my heart about how, again, they, um, how hybrid, if done right, can be really offer this equality to all of your audience, whether it's remote or whether it's um whether it's uh, live there in person. So I think, you know, uh, kudos to those guys. I think it's it's great to see. It. And they're looking at partnerships that are deep and wide with um with hotel chains and things like that, but but other folk too, you know, it's expanding their network. So I'll just keep keep it sort of fairly broad, but they're, they're doing some great things.
0: I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep the next question. Start with you again, you Andrew. Um, yeah. And and it's um, what's the number one media? Whether it's um, a, a website or podcast or whatever, what's the number one media that you frequently consume to 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 learn how to grow in this industry?
1: Oh wow. Um, I, I like sometimes just to, to get out of of the industry and look at things from a different point of view. So, um, you know, I think keeping your toes. Dipped into just how uh, the world's working on things like simply just like Instagram and, and some of the socials like that. Um, obviously LinkedIn. Uh, some people are saying it's moving towards more of a, a slightly social Facebook, Insta, Instagram world. Um, but um, I, I think I, I know. I, I like Instagram for many things, and I follow uh, friends and family and things. But but many other uh, interesting areas that can just give you. So it's just a different way of thinking, you know, and creative thought to um to, to how you may go and apply that back to your work life. So it's again a bit of a broad answer, but uh, you can go again, go and find whatever you'd like to find.
2: How about you, Kira? For me, I'm a big fan of Skift. So it's dot yes. com. I just think they're brilliant. They're so cutting edge and you know, they just write what they think. Their events are really, really good. I went to one of their events in Germany and I just was blown away. Just the questions they ask big players, you know, they're asking Airbnb and Expedia's and really tough questions. So Skift are really, really good. Um, big fan of LinkedIn. I think for real estate, I've kind of seen that there's a lot of people like you, Caleb. There's like probably, you know, you, there's Dave Carnes you mentioned in Canada. There's um, Phil Kushner in, in New York. So there's a lot of people in who are kind of I'm starting to follow and and they're doing clubhouse sessions and videos on LinkedIn and, you know, videos on Instagram. So generally, I I kind of follow certain influencers in different spaces who, you know, I think know a lot about that space and listen to them, whether it's on a podcast or clubhouse or um, LinkedIn.
0: Excellent. Great names in that list. Okay, I'm going to switch gears now. The last question is maybe the easiest, maybe the hardest for you. But when we get out of COVID and we're able to travel again, where's your favorite holiday destination? Who wants to go first?
1: I don't mind going. I don't mind going. I I I grew up going to uh, one of the Balearic Islands, Menorca, and and I love it. It's um it's kind of an authentic view. It's not over touristy. It's um it's got the beaches. It's got kind of uh, that Spanish uh, way of life, but with a Catalan view, fiestas. Things like that, uh, good food, good beaches, not too noisy. So uh, yeah, planning to get there as soon as I can.
0: Sounds sounds amazing. I, I want to go too. How about you, Kiran? <laughs> uh, has to be the side of France. Oh, so my, yeah. my
2: wife, my wife Nora is from from the side of France. So you yeah, like <laughs> no renting renting a house with a, a pool and you know near lovely towns and vineyards and good wine, good food, sun. You know maybe a sneaky golf course somewhere as well that's that's looking good so that's that's first up for us once uh things are turned to normal
0: so we do this podcast next time in person uh <laughs> a, a year from now to to see how things have gone which one are, where are we going to the to Balearic islands uh, minorca are we going to, yeah. to south france i don't know right. good point either do,
1: <laughs> do a tour yeah all right there's a, there's a golf course there kieran <laughs>
0: very good Excellent. Guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Whether you've watched this or listened, please tune in to the next time. And and until then, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drumroll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com
2: are listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at PodcastSyndicator.com or Brett at PodcastSyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.